This is the Voice of the Land podcast with your hosts, Kevin Arnold and Nick Paulus. A once podcast turned show where Nick Paulus, Peter Tellup, and Kevin Arnold all talk Browns, Cavs, Indians, Buckeyes, and so much more that recently moved to Big Play Networks on social media. If you're answering what is Voice of the Land, you would be right. You would get a 1,000 points on Jeopardy. And we do honor the memory, the life of Alex Trebek, who did pass away, unfortunately, from cancer today at the age of 80. An icon, a legend, a true inspiration to so many of us out there in the world. And we dedicate this episode to him. And I know that's not the easiest way to start a start a show it is kind of a sad day and 2020 has really really sucked but we are here a guy like Alex Rebeck he did his job even after the cancer and when he announced that it was a true inspiration at that time as well and he would want everybody to keep going with everything they're going after in life everything that they are all are all about so we do welcome you to another edition of The Voice of Land here on Big Play Networks. Of course, I am one of your hosts, Kevin Arnold. Alongside me, as always, my brother, Nick Paulus, our producer extraordinaire behind the proverbial glass, Peter Tillip. We are also partnered with Web Streaming Studio by LPV Productions. And our sponsor for Voice of Land is DP Construction LLC. Reach out to them for all your concrete construction needs. And you can reach out to them by phone at 330-217-4999. That's 330-217-4999. Tongue twister there, but get (laughs) get the information out there for them. Or you can find them on Facebook at DP Construction LLC. And you you can always message Tyler LaFrada there or by email. And he has his email right there on the Facebook page to get a quote. And he will send Uncle Steve out to do that work for you. And they have beautiful pictures of all the work that they have done. So we thank them for sponsoring us here on Voice of the Land as well. Of course, you can always find us on social media, Twitter, Instagram at VTL underscore pod, Facebook at Voice of the Land, YouTube page at Voice of the Land podcast. Of course, we stream every single stream live every single Sunday night at seven, even if the Browns are on a bye week. We're here. We're ready to go live. We're ready to talk sports with all of you. You can find us right there on our Twitter page on the Big Play Facebook page or their YouTube page at Big Play Live is their YouTube channel. Subscribe there. Or you can always find us on Sportscaster as well. Audio posted throughout the week. Google, Spotify, Apple, we say it every single week. And we always have the clips being posted out there on social media and YouTube. As you may have saw there with the new graphics, thank you so much to Peter Tell for those great new graphics. You can always reach out on Twitter with Paulus at CLE underscore Paulus. Myself at Kevin and Seven because I always come through in the clutch when it matters most. And LPV Productions across all uh, social media platforms. It is the Browns bye week, so it is time to give out some midseason awards. We are going to get into that here in just one second. We're also going to talk Buckeyes. Where are we at with them after three games? What are their chances now seeing them actually on the field? What are their chances? Because we know they're going to be judged against what they do in the college football playoff. What is What type of team are they? Are they a number one contending type team in college football? We will get into all that. And at 740 We'll be joined by the guys getting the Cleveland Crunch, the indoor soccer team, back 
to the city of Cleveland. Really looking forward to that in 2021 and looking forward to having them on. Uh, and so we will have them on at 740. Eric Davis, the majority owner and president, as well as vice president, minority owner and former teammate of mine, Luciano Rashido. And uh, so we're really looking forward to that. But we are going to start Browns. Paulus has got his brown shirt on. And before we get into kind of midseason awards here, Paulus, where are you at with the Browns after having a week to digress after kind of a failed opportunity last week against the Raiders? They do sit at five and three coming off the bye week. Uh, of course, they had a staff member test positive for COVID today. Baker is kind of on that reserve COVID list where he came in close contact, yeah. but did not has not tested positive at this point. He could return to practice as long as he uh, meets all the negative test requirements for that. Um, so that could be that could be a storyline going into next week's game. But where are you at with this team, and what do you still need to see more from them this year? Yeah, five and three. I mean, I, once again, we've talked about this before. I didn't expect five and three going into the break. I thought maybe four and four at, you know, maybe three and five. We had a couple, you know, a couple of uh, tough opponents. I didn't think that we were going to beat the Colts. I thought we were going to either uh, beat or lose to the Colts and then uh, the Cowboys as well. We ended up beating both those teams, you know, so that's why, that's why we are at now five and three. I truly do believe that. They are on the right path. Finally, we have something to look forward to. I was telling my wife, who you know so graciously came uh, came up here uh, tonight, Kelly, uh, I love you. But I was telling her, I was like, I got this weird sort of feeling today, and she's like, what? What is it? I was like. There's no Browns. Like I'm normally like right now I'm excited for them. Every, you know, every year in the past, I'm like, Oh, thank God the bye weeks here. <laughs> like something that, you know, old Browns, you know, old Cleveland mentality. Thank God. I don't have to watch them lose again today. I actually was intrigued. It's Sunday. I want to watch the Browns and it, it, it is unfortunate whenever they're, they weren't on a hot streak. You know, they ended up losing uh, to the, uh, to, I almost said Oakland uh, to, the Las Vegas Raiders uh, today, but or I'm sorry, last week they they did lose to them, but I, and that could have made them six and two, which would have been awesome to see. I mean, we would be you know whoa like mm. like even more so you know pumped up. But five and three is a solid start. It, it really is. Going into this next half, you have a lot of winnable games. You, you mm. really do. You have five easier you know opponents, yeah. and then you have the three tougher ones. You have the Titans. Who who didn't look that good today. I mean, they, they really didn't, they looked sloppy. Yeah. And then you have the Steelers, which, I mean, we, we were just seeing big Ben got injured, you know, his knee got all messed up and they're trying to make a comeback against the Cowboys as we speak. So uh, <laughs> on their fourth string quarterback, yeah. so Former practice squad guy, yeah, Garrett, Garrett Gilbert, Gilbert. Yeah. there we go. There we go. But AAF legend. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, and, and then obviously the Ravens who once again, they didn't look that good against the Colts today, but they ended up getting the win. And now I believe they're six and two on the year. So, uh, it, I mean, solid start by them yeah. as well, but going into this bye week, I'm really thankful that we are where we are because we control our destiny. If you win, if you pull off the same magic as what you did in this first half, you're going to the playoffs. 10 and six will get you in to the seventh seed, at least the seventh mm. seed there for us. Now, what happens when you 
get to the playoffs, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. I just get me to the playoffs. First, honestly, get me a winning record. If you certify me a winning record, get me to nine wins. I'm not going to say that's a win on the season because I expect playoffs now, yeah. now that we are five and three. But th- th- we've had some good play and we've had a lot of injuries that people are starting to come back from. So, I, I mean, I kind of want to see where you're at with it because, like I said, I'm excited. I'm actually, it feels weird that we don't have it yeah. today because I was really coming in here, you know, all pumped up and, you know, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about the Browns at the bye week. And I'm like, man, I'd rather, you know, talk about them, you know, after a game, you know, yeah. so it, it's it's tough to talk Browns when there is no game. And yeah, honestly, I need, I didn't even watch any NFL football today because like bye weeks, I just I don't like bye weeks, man. I really don't. Yeah. It's it's so tough. Like I yes, I got have all my fantasy football teams, and you know I can be keeping track of what some of the players are doing, whatever games I may have access to through the different uh, streaming services I have. But it just it doesn't have that same. NFL Sunday doesn't have that same feeling when the Browns aren't playing. No matter how frustrated, how happy, what kind of emotions we're going through as Browns fans, the bye week always sucks because you don't have Browns football to kind of be there to really get NFL Sunday going and then you're really in that NFL mood then you start checking in the, on the other games you watch maybe the four o'clock the eight o'clock the Monday night game like you're really into it I just I don't get into it when it is a bye week um, now I guess before I kind of give my thoughts on the Browns I do want to mention that if you are watching on the Facebook page or our Twitter page right now you can let us know what are your thoughts on the Browns who are maybe some of your who is your MVP or most surprise or biggest surprise of the first half of the season kind of give some of your awards as well and if you want to ask the guys from the crunch later on a question you can send those right now or at 740 when we are talking to them you can always send along some questions and we'll see if we can get some of those to those guys as well but I do want to uh, turn things over to Peter real quick like where are where are you because I know it's not as maybe not as big of a thing you know it's it's Ohio State Indians for you it's kind of that right yeah uh, those pecking orders I mean Browns where are you at I love the Browns but it's there's just been so many years of by this point of the season Mm. it's like well hey I got three hours back on my Sunday (laughs) (laughs) so uh, because it was so frustrating because you every season you go in with the high hopes that this is going to be the year they're going to turn it around and you know maybe they lose the first one well they usually lost the first one uh they hmm. they tie the first one uh yeah. but you're hoping that it's going to you know they're going to yeah. progress you you see those sparks of hey something looks like it might happen and then it just the wheels fall off mm-hmm. and it was kind of weird because with the weather being just so beautiful today. I know. You know, we're outside and Jacob's like, this would be perfect weather for football. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, it, it really would be. And um, so it was a little it was a little weird. I think the weather kind of helped because I didn't think about it so much. Yeah. Um, you know, if it was cold, if it was cold, rainy, snowy, I'd be sitting in, you know, in the house going, oh, man, I'd like to watch the Browns just, you know, because mm-hmm. I do. I do love the Browns. Yeah. But uh, I yeah, today was tough because I, you know, like I said, the weather helped, but I really want to see how they progress because I feel like there are maybe they finally got the pieces there. And the fact that they're, you know, they're sitting where they are, it would have been nice if they were six and two. <laughs> but, you know, yes. at five and three, I'm uh, as a Browns fan, I'm not going to complain. I, don't, I still have that empty feeling. 
Honestly, I mean, now today, of course, 73, 73 degrees outside, sunshine. Gorgeous day. You know, that you know, I just right now in my head, all I can see is that GV artwork shirt where it has like that Monday through Monday through Saturday or Sunday through Saturday, the seven day forecast. And it's, yeah. you know, goes through all the seasons. I mean, I think there was a there was a day last week where I think we did go through all the seasons all at, all at once. But um, in terms of the Browns, guys, I just I still have that empty feeling. I do because you missed an opportunity last week and you just you didn't show up at all. I understand that we are not in the Steelers or the Ravens league sure. at this point. We are trying to build to that point. Get it, understand that. But in order to build to that point and in order to really solidify a winning culture in Berea, you have to show up in those games. You have to you have to show that you really are on the right track. Now, again, the Ravens game, first game of the year, all the stuff right. in the offseason, things like that, thinking that after you kind of built some momentum, that Steelers game at least should have looked a lot different for this team. Yeah. And they missed an opportunity last week. Yes, 5-3 and three is great, and I still like it, but I it's... And I, I, there was a lot of people talking this week. Is it fair? Is it not fair for you know Browns fans to be upset about five and three? I, I don't know if you would say upset. Like upset to me is you're like you're not there at all. Like you you're just pissed think, or something. Yeah, right. you're just yeah. I'm not that sure. I'm just it, it's a disappointment. Can, it's an empty. There's again. There's just right. that empty feeling that I want to see more consistency and more competitiveness because we know they're gonna face some of these 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 rougher teams of the course. teams that are lower on in there and you yeah. can't you can't take any of them lightly either because once you, know, you don't want to be that any given sunday for right. them no no of, of course but it, it, I, you need to you need to somehow show that the stuff that you developed in the first eight games now that mm -hmm. you are together and working and staying in meetings, staying in the film room, working yeah. yourself, figuring out what you need to do, what the team needs to do to continue to get better, finding a way to really, if you're going to make a playoff run, make it a meaningful playoff run and not just one where you just get a one doors, and done. Blo yeah, I, doors blown off one and done. Well, I mean, if you That's, face the Steelers or Kansas City, I, I mean, yeah, you're, you're, you're going at to. doors get yes. blown off. Yes. Possibly, possibly. Right. I love you, Kevin. I, I do. And, and like, we're going to get into this about Ohio State. You mm. and I had a little back and forth. We'll get into that down the road, mm. you know, there for us, you know, on the pod tonight. But I love you because the way that you think, you are l seriously coach, 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 coach. I can't, I can't let you, it go, man. You <laughs> I can't. never let go of that coach mentality. And I love that about you because you see things differently. You see things completely differently from me. And I, I was a coach for like, uh, for, you know, a, a baseball team and like a football mm. team, but it was, I, mm. it, it was for one season, yeah. not like you, you've done it multiple years. You, you grow up with these people, you, you know, develop them. Mm -hmm. You do everything with these kids and, and, you know, they're, they're your kids. And that's the way that I view you as like looking at the Browns, that these are your kids. And you know what? I'm going to pump them up. You know, you are Kevin Stefanski. Okay. I am the fans. Okay. Mm. And, and that's what makes us great. You know, with, right. with this whole show and pod, it makes us great because we see things completely differently, but at the same time, we agree on the same stuff. Yeah. Uh, the way that you're looking at it, I think you're looking at it too hard. 
harshly. You're looking at it from the way Kevin Stefanski absolutely needs to look at it. And that's why we love Kevin mm-hmm. because Kevin, I mean, he goes out there and he goes, you know what? Like it, it, Baker. Yeah. No. Did he play well against Cincinnati? Yeah, he did. You know, 21 straight completions, da, 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 da. but there's a lot of room to improve. I'm over here, 21 straight completions, five touchdowns, whoa, going crazy. Yeah. And you're much more subdued whenever it comes to that. And that's a good thing. Oh, but trust like, me, but, the people in my apartment building will tell you different. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's fair. But like, whenever we get to this sort of thing, like, we should be hyped. Hmm. We should be thankful, not thankful, but we should be looking at five and three and going like, hell, freaking yeah. Because that's something that once again, we didn't expect, you know, and I guarantee you, Kevin Stefanski, if you put the lasso of truth on him would probably have said, I don't, I don't see us being five and three, but we are. Mm. And like, that's the whole point of this thing is that we are five and three and that we have an opportunity to re- realistically get to the playoffs and maybe even have, you know, not have to worry about that week 17 game against the Steelers. Mm. You know, maybe, you know, it, I'm assuming it's going to be a play-in game. I yeah. think you agree yes. with that as well. Yeah. Um, but that being said, like there might be a point in time where we just might actually end up with, you know, beating the Ravens and not having to worry about that week 17. So we have a week, you know, the week mm. off and everything like that, whatever that's down the road. We don't want to talk about that, but I, I just, and it just, it literally boom clicked in my head. I go, Kevin's the coach. Like Kevin's the coach. I'm the fan. <laughs> like It just, it, it hit me because I'm looking at it from the same sort of lights that you are. And I'm like, I see it differently because I, I I'm super pumped up about everything mm. that's going on with this. Um, I, I know that we got a bunch of awards to get into and everything yeah, like that, and, but yeah, we'll get there in one second. I just, you bring up a great analogy. I mean, that is kind of how I look at things, yeah. but I also, I try to take, when I feel like I can start to trust coaching staff, front office, sure. maybe for the first time since 99. Yeah. First the, time in your the, life. Yeah. The yeah. team is taking on the characteristics of the coach, and you hear that in press conferences, need to see more of that on the field. But I'm kind of, as a fan, I'm kind of taking that on too. Like, there is there is more out there. And the great thing about this is we're only halfway through the season and you get that bye week at the halfway point, the exact halfway point. And we needed it more yes. than any other team, I think, in the league. Yes. So because you've only been in the building together since the start of training camp and you haven't been able to really hit anybody until the actual season started. So now you can really take that di- that dig deep look in the mirror. What are we doing well? Sure. What aren't we doing well? What can I do more for this team? What can, you know, what can we do more for these right. players to get the most out of them? That is a luxury and a half for this Browns team. And while they missed an opportunity last week to get a tiebreaker on another team that they're going to be probably fighting for that seven seed with yeah. or one of those last few seeds, wild card spots in this new extended NFL playoffs this season, they still have eight more games to now be maybe six and two, seven and one, like put a better resume out there, really build on what they're good at and say, hey, that first eight games, it it is all part of the process. And now we are taking those steps to now not just be, you know, 
borderline playoff team, but a playoff team that can make some noise so that we get that experience. And then by the next year, you really do start talking about those two words that they're, you're, we're not really allowed to say because they're supposed to say big game. Right. But you get what I mean. Like that is the kind of NFL quicker process that it should take sure. to get there. And if this there- has been 20 years of futility, though. Yes. Like, like we have seen oh, the depths yes. of hell. Yeah, we've it's, been through the seven layers of, of hell. And it's been futility for the entire time I've been a Browns fan. But I'm not going to ever be anything different. And maybe coming at it from the coaching angle and being, as you say, a little bit harsher on them than some other people. And, you know, I know fans are really excited about five and three. I love five and three. Yeah. It's just I see that there's more for this team, and that's what I want to see them kick the ground, you know, kickstart it, yeah. get it, get the ground running as soon as next week gets going and show that more that you know that you have, fans know that you have. Now let's start to see that more that you have now that you are really entwined and have that game film to go off of. Looking at some of the midseason awards – I'm not sure where you want to start. We can kind of go up to MVP, or we can yeah. we can start we can let's, start there. We can peak right away, right let's, now. Let's stay away from. Let, let's yeah. end with the MVP. Okay. Yeah. Right. Let's let's do that. All right. So turn it over to you. Sure. Your first award for the midseason awards. Uh, which way do you want to go first? I want to go with most improved player. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. That's exactly let, what I was thinking too. Yeah. See, this is why we're great together. Yes. Uh, I want to start off with most improved because I, I don't honestly like I, I really want to start off with, you know, least. But but let's I think start I, on let, a let's positive note. exactly. Let's start off on a positive note. Most improved player to me, without a doubt mm. in the world, is Wyatt Teller. It, yeah. There is no doubt in my mind. We got him for like a sixth or a fifth round draft yeah. pick. I mean, essentially stealing him from Buffalo. It, Buffalo has a, an already solid offensive line. Yeah. They, like they already knew what that they luxury, were doing. Yeah. Exactly. So they they could, yeah, you know what? Yeah, let, let's just get that draft pick. Maybe we can get something better. Honestly, Wyatt Teller, whenever he was in here, was without a doubt the mm. best right guard in the league. And he was fantastic, especially those polling blocks that we need, mm. especially the wham block and everything like that that we do so often with our running backs, you know, the counters and everything like that. I, I Wyatt Teller, no doubt in my mind, he was playing in like I know Pro Football Focus was looking at it, and they were saying that he was like the best right guard for a stretch of time. He was the best right guard in like a decade, you know, the way that he was playing. So without a doubt, it's Wyatt Teller to me. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of other talent on this roster that I would like to see step up mm. personally. Like I really want uh, uh, Higgins to start making yeah. more plays. I mean, he's starting to get more opportunities now that Odell is out. Yes. So like I I really want to see him step up and show me that he can do better than what he did his rookie year which his rookie year was phenomenal. For a rookie year mm. it, was, it was pretty solid. Yeah. Uh but without a doubt once again Wyatt Teller. How about you? Uh I'm going the same with you because Wyatt, as yeah. as I just look across like the all 22 and even, you know, special teams is tough because that unit, you know, it's kind of those back end of the roster type guys. Right. Some starters are being filtered in there. Taki Taki, Mac Wilson have asked uh, coach Mike Prefer to be a part of the special teams, things like that. But Wyatt Teller is kind of the only answer because either we've seen what we expect out of players or we haven't seen enough out of them that's what fair. we expect out of them yeah. but Wyatt Teller and you know even with him being out the last few weeks 
Pro Football Focus, who is kind of that analytical stat line, he is still up there among the top three graded offensive linemen in the league, and yet he hasn't played for the last couple last few weeks. So right there tells you Wyatt Teller. Yeah. I I really do think, yeah, once again, I think Wyatt Teller has just been a beast, and he's been a very big surprise here for us. He is going to be mm. coming back here after this bye week. Uh, also, a little inkling, uh, I don't know if you saw it or not, I believe it was Bleacher Report, uh, noted that uh, Nick Chubb is on his way back, possibly coming back week, uh, was that week 9 or week 10 here for yeah. us? So I think it was uh, Ian Rappaport of yep. NFL Network may have That's had that, and then it came through to Bleacher Report. Yeah. That's, that usually anything that he says comes through to Bleacher Report, and then anything that Schefter says, that's when ESPN notifications come through faster than anything right. else. Usually, usually ESPN is last. Yeah. Usually, I, I know it, by now. It, it does. Yeah, it happens like that a little, <laughs> a little too often. There for that. It's actually funny. The football, the fantasy football mm-hmm. alerts, especially this this new that newer sleeper app. Yeah. Those alerts come come in before any Bleacher Report, ESPN, anything really? like that. Yeah. Hmm. So. I don't, I don't know. People they, out there, there, there you go. got those inside sources of sleep. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, how about let's go least valuable player? Wow. That's easy for me. I 23. Say, I, I knew 23. you were going to say it. I, mean, it, I knew you were going to say it. Because, and I know that they talk, uh, Joe Woods, Stefanski, they talk about how he's a great communicator. He's, you know, he's that, I guess, quarter, they want him to be that quarterback of the defense. He's calling out all the signals. Calls out signals and then ends up in the wrong spot. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, you're so focused on, uh, you know, where everybody else is, what everybody else's assignment is. What was your assignment on that play? It looks like you didn't really adhere to that assignment. And I just see him like diving all over the field. And yet it's like one of those. Uh, I, I don't know if you have ever seen in a baseball game where a guy like dies for a catch, but it doesn't need to be a dive yeah. or like, you know, that yeah. type of thing. Like it's that kind of dive because the guy's already passed him. He's just making it look good. Like he's giving an effort. Yeah. He like feels the camera on him and he's got to make it look like, <laughs> Oh man, I almost had him. I almost had him. Yeah. The guy's gone. And he's, you just see this guy like in the slow motion replay, it's the close up of the person making the play on the other team. And you just see number 23, just slowly, like after he's already made the play, now he's diving Yeah. as if there's someone else he needs to tackle. Right. Yeah. No, it, he looks like he gets sniped. You know, yeah. Like that. Just like that, you know, right before he's supposed to hit anyone. Uh, Yeah, no, I... I don't want to agree with you. It's the I, obvious choice. Yes. It, it, number twenty-three yes. is absolutely the obvious choice. I am going to go a little different route, though, just to you know try and be a little bit different. I want to say Najoku. I'm not going to mm-hmm. because it like he should be so much more than what he is. Yes, and, and like that's the point. I mean, we picked up his fifth-year option. We're giving him you know the money, so like he he knows that he's safe. You know, and I'm not saying he's playing like he knows he's safe. Right, but I'm saying like he. He's not giving me enough. I would describe it as him playing to what we have now come to expect out of him. While we know there's more he right. can give. I've, I've he, seen he could, it. He, that he could be. I've done seen it. I just, know it's there. He's just playing to what we expect now. It, 100%. I mean, he's a third string tight end. Yes. Where I'm going, though, mm-hmm. and it kind of breaks my heart a little bit because this is a contract year I, for the guy. I already know where you Tell me. Jarvis? No. Oh wow. No. Oh. No. I, I. I'm. I'm never gonna. You know. Okay. Hate on Jarvis. Okay. okay. Jarvis just, bless him. Uh, can basically do no wrong because I've seen that dude do yes. things okay. that like he is the coach. toughest dude on the team. He, a toughest dude on the team. B. He is the coach on the field. Okay. So like no doubt in my mind. I will I got, never. I got a little scared with the way you were opening that. I will never knock Jarvis. <laughs> what I will knock though is Larry Ogunjobi. Larry Ogunjobi. I'm telling you right now. 
I don't see any freaking pressure from anyone on that. Or I'm mm. sorry, on that defensive line. Sheldon Richardson has like two and a half sacks, mm. and like the his last one was like I think it was like week three. He might have had one yeah. more recently, but it's been there was a stretch where it was literally only Miles doing anything on that mm. defensive line, yep. and now that Miles is hurt or you know coming off of a knee injury or ankle or whatever the hell he has. I expected so much more out of Larry Ogunjobi this year. I really thought, like, you know, if, if we have them all healthy, we're going to be set, and this is going to be a dominating sort of defensive line, and we'll be solid. He has zero sacks on the air, and he has four tackles for loss. That's it. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's in the mix. He, he's he been in, se- I believe, seven games so far this year. And, like, I just I don't see enough from him. Yeah. I need to see more. I expect so much more out of Larry Ogunjobi because whenever he his rookie year was great I mean he was solid his rookie year a lot of people were like oh he might be the next up and coming I don't you know I don't want to say Warren Sapp I mean he's not no no means was anyone ever saying that no (laughs) one was ever saying that but what I'm saying is he's he's the next up and coming really good defensive Mm. uh, tackle and he hasn't shown it he has not provided any proof whatsoever this year very disappointing so I'm going to say Larry Ogunjobi Workout fiend with a lot without any of the production yeah, on the field. 100%, again, yeah. Again, it's one of those. It's it's part of that whole thing that we talked about leading up to the season. It's you know people saying the right things and maybe doing the right things yeah. off the field to show that they they are actually investing, getting things right. Yep. But you got to put the film work in and you got to produce on the field or else not for long NFL. You won't be there. Right. Uh, who are we going with next? Are we going uh, biggest surprise? We can go biggest surprise, sure. and we'll finish up with MVP. Perfect. So biggest surprise, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, biggest surprise, I'm hmm. – Miles, I mean, Miles has been mm. un- unbelievable, yeah. but that's what you expect as a number you, one pick, a $125 million guy. Baker, I mean, he hasn't really produced as much as what I was hoping for. Mm-hmm. There's really no one on, like, the, the wide receiver output that has done anything. Honestly, the biggest surprise for me, as I'm just rambling, you know, rambling, mm-hmm. you know on here, probably Harrison Bryant. I really yeah. thought, you and I talked about this at the beginning of the year, that, that I thought, we both thought Harrison Bryant, I mean, he was an award Mackey award yeah. winner in college. He was really good, you know, in college. So we sort of expected him to, you know, be on an upward trajectory, but playing tight end in the NFL takes a couple years. I mean, you see some of the greats and they don't just jump right from the start. You see someone like George Kittle. He is more of a subdued rookie year. Antonio Gates, another, another sort of guy. It takes him a while, takes him like a year to get, you know, acclimated mm. to the NFL setting. And then boom, then they take off. Harrison Bryant, I'm not saying he's on a Hall of Fame pace, nothing like that. But I'm telling you, he's a dude. Yeah. He is a, he is a dude that you can count on here here in the future. He's what I expected Najoku to be doing. And we got him for what, like a third or a fourth round? Fourth round. You know, so I think most impressive, biggest surprise, I'm going to go with Harrison Bryant. I mean, he's been really solid coming up clutch, you know, the last couple of games here for us. He did have the fumble, you know, in Oakland. Yeah. Yeah, yep. That was God against Vegas. So that does, you know, that does bother me a little bit. But for the most part, the Duke catches tight ends or <laughs> Duke catches TDs, you know, from the tight end position. And he's been fantastic. 
catching TDs from the TE position, right? There we go. <laughs> See? A little tongue twister yes. action there for you us. You know, words are hard, but oh, so fun. We oh, talk about so that all fun. the time. Oh, so fun. Um, I, that is a good good surprise and probably yeah. one I would go with as well. I mean, for my biggest surprise, I'm going to kind of go with uh, an uns- unsung hero a little bit. But, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect to this guy when we first traded for him. Yeah. I know everybody was excited, but... Uh, Ronnie Harrison has been... He's solid. Yeah, has he's been, a been bigger really surprise. solid. Excuse me. <coughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> he's talking to a mic for so long, you know, the mouth gets dry and stuff like there that. There it goes. Um, but Ronnie Harrison has been a bigger surprise for me because it just... You see him flash out there, and that's the kind of safety that you want, and you want a guy to go alongside. The problem is that there is no, there, there is no yin and yang yeah. out there. There's no back and forth of the safeties kind of being able to. And yes, I know one plays free safety, one plays strong safety. Will come down the box, but you got to have some of that versatility, especially in a lot of the defenses now that are using mixtures of four three three four fronts. Uh, disguising coverages, being able to play multiple, multiple looks against great quarterbacks in this league. The only way to really play defense, and yeah, there's not a lot of defense in the NFL, but the teams that do just enough, those are the teams that compete for the big game. Yeah. So, you know, Ronnie Harrison would be one for me to add to that list if I wasn't to just agree with you and go Harrison Bryant because that has been a huge surprise for him to be so productive so quickly yep. in a year that he didn't get a chance to do rookie OT, uh, rookie minicamp, minicamp, OTAs, that kind of stuff, you know, that kind of off-season workout. It's been so much more unique for this rookie class, but I guess they don't know any different, so he's been able to have that. Harrison's been able to have that success, and then Ronnie Harrison out there, someone that I want to see you know, get a little bit more uh, responsibility out there on the defensive side. So we'll finish it off now. We've gone to the peak MVP, <laughs> most valuable player of the of the season. It's got to be Miles Garrett. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I mean is, is there is there anything else that you want to say other than Miles? Because because I, I really don't know any other ones. No, I, I mean, no, Miles, I mean, Miles Chubb would have been the one if he was healthy. I think he would be competing with Garrett to be the most valuable player yeah. of this. He's a he's the most valuable player on that offense that they're missing the most. Yeah, R- missing. I mean, through through eight games, he has nine sacks. Yes, I, I mean, so it's, it's Garrett all the way. And, and not only does he get the sacks because sacks are a weird number. OK, because y- you can get a ton of sacks and still mm. y- I mean, you'll lose by 40. I mean, you know, you there's been players out there that that get you a lot, you know, mm. but it's turning the ball over. Yes. And he the way he strips sacks people that's the biggest thing molly's getting held too like every single day i see him get held so much and like people you know Mm -hmm. hitting him in the face mask whatever it doesn't matter he goes straight through everyone that's why like i can't wait to see who we draft like i'm telling you whatever our first round draft pick is you go and get that best you know defensive line guy you go get me a pass rusher that can that you can match up with miles whatever you have to do browns go and do that because that is what we need more than anything else in this world i think that's what we need miles obviously is the clear-cut favorite there for us do you have a secondary person because i do personally uh i i really don't i mean i would you know Another unsung hero has been, while he has had some unfortunate and uncharacteristic drops, yep. 
Jarvis being that we always talked about how when he was first here without we didn't have OBJ you know Jarvis was a number one who's really a number two wide receiver yeah but he's number one in terms of the leader of trying to get this culture going and he's not just Baker but I bet Jarvis is a big voice in that locker room to be an extension of what Stefanski is trying to get this team to be and what type of consistent contending team Stefanski wants them to be uh, my my secondary guy mm. and and like he got a lot of flack over the last you know last game or two mm. uh, uh from uh, once again I, I was going back and forth and nothing against Chris Fyodor you know nothing right. I mean fantastic columnist he's, he's great he, he he truly is uh but he was given a lot of crap to uh Kareem Hunt he was calling him a very he was a disappointment yeah since I saw Chubb that was out I saw that the guy leads us in total yards mm. and touchdowns like he has four receiving touchdowns. He leads our team in 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 not only total touchdowns but receiving touchdowns, and he has three rushing touchdowns. I mean, I don't know what much more he can do. I mean, he has like I think six hundred yards of total offense, you know, o- over that. And uh, I mean, he's been a solid, solid addition. You know, even without Chubb there, I think once Chubb gets back, he's gonna you know get reduced, rolled again. But he's fresher that way, and like we are a better team whenever we have that dynamic duo in the backfield. It clearly, obviously, yeah. uh, that that's a dumb statement just to be like, oh, you know, we got Nick Chubb. I think we're a better team. That's an obvious thing. <laughs> but it, I, I'm very much looking forward to the next eight games having those guys back because Thunder and Lightning, you know, getting those guys back, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, and they complement each other so well and they allow for for each to to work off one another the reason why cream hunt doesn't look maybe to people doesn't look like he is hasn't been able to pick up too much of the slack for nick chubb yeah is because now people are gearing their defense their rush defense to the one guy they got to worry about dearness johnson and dontrell hilliard aren't you know if they come in to spell hunt they're not Mm -hmm. they don't pose that kind of issue with the defense or that kind of concern from the defense on the other side that when you're bringing hunt and chubb you don't know which one you're which one you're going to have to defend and when both are in in on the same play where is that ball going that just makes each one that much more dangerous now i i think maybe chubb would look would maybe look on the surface a little bit better than than hunt of course hunt has given a lot and has been producing a lot for the browns i'm not agreeing yeah with with what fedor says but i see just the on the surface eye test kind of little snippet of what where that conversation is coming from i understand where it's coming from i think that chubb's production would be similar maybe probably a little bit more and you would get that eye test a little bit more so it just kind of proves that he's doing that but hunt has been miraculous for this team and when when chubb comes back if chubb's fully healthy Fresh legs with your power back that can also break break away, block for Baker, still catch out of the backfield, those types of things. I mean, then you can really use Hunt the way that you designed and wanted to develop that other running back spot. Uh, quick prediction before we have uh, you know the hmm. uh, the guys from the Crunch jumping on with us. I, I know you hate playing the schedule game. Mm. I'm not going to tell you to go, you know, tell yeah. me the next eight games or anything yeah. like that. But I want to know, do does this team make the playoffs? 
Yes, and they should make the playoffs. Yeah, and I am 100% with you. I think that this team is good enough to make it, especially whenever we get Teller back, Chubb back, you know, a couple other guys back. I think that we are going to be good mm. enough to make the playoffs, and we should make the playoffs, at least the seventh seed for sure. Yeah, and as we do wait for the guys from the Crunch to come on here, uh, did have one comment uh, in the Facebook page just to get out there. Uh, Brett Gillen, a former co-host of mine when we were at OMS for nice. the Art of Fact, show okay. uh, he said that Higgins works works best in the slot and or fade routes also has the ability to extend the play to be open for Baker and that's that's what they're going to need in Absolutely. order to make the playoffs they're going to need these wide receivers to step up we'll continue that conversation uh, as we close out on the other side and get into some Buckeyes if we have some time but we do want to welcome on right now from the Cleveland Crunch the president and majority owner Eric Davis as well as minority owner and vice president of operations and a former teammate of mine a fellow <laughs> Blue Devil alumni Luciano Rashido. guys how we doing this evening hey guys thanks for having us this evening we're doing good how are you not too bad. Really looking forward to talking about uh, you guys getting the Cleveland Crunch back going. I know that as a soccer fan myself, it was so huge. And one of my best memories was going to Cleveland Crunch soccer camps and, uh, of course, going to the games at the Convocation Center down on CSU's campus when it wasn't the Wolstein Center. It was the Convocation Center. <laughs> uh, and watching guys like Hector Marinero, Otto Orphan, all those guys uh, having a lot of success in indoor soccer. Now, I know you guys were teammates at Lake Erie. Where did this conversation kind of start? Did it start back in those playing days to get this back going again? Or where did take us back to how the conversation of getting the Cleveland Crunch back in town really got going? So before I hop into the story, um, I just want to give a shout out to my soccer brother, Tino Panich, um, passed away earlier in the week on an unfortunate car accident. So um, just wanted to give him a shout out. And I'm still thinking about you, brother. Um, Our true about all my minor friends. It's been a tough week. So Our true um, condolences out to you and, and his family and, and all their friends and stuff. Tragic. And uh, we can only send our, our thoughts and well wishes out, out to the family and, and you guys as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, the idea kind of just stemmed from when I moved to Lakewood um, earlier this earlier this year, back in May. Um, you know, I was just unpacking some clothes, um, getting my apartment set up, and uh, I came across my crunch in my fourth shirt. So I just hung them up side by side, took a picture, and posted it on my Instagram as a poll on my story. And I just posed the question: um, If it was up to you, which indoor professional indoor soccer team would you bring back to Cleveland? Uh, the crunch of the force and 79% of the votes uh, favored to the crunch. Obviously, I mean, the legacy holds that they won mm. the championships um, with the well-recognized names. So from there, Luciano just reached out to me the same day. Um, and we just kind of started talking about, you know, if there's an opportunity to bring this club back. And from there, we just started linking up more, doing our research, um, found out the trademark was available. So that was huge from the legal standpoint. So we started just a rebranding process, got the things trademarked, uh, got the business set up. And then from there, we started talking with um, owners around the league, um, just gathering information, um, you're just figuring out what we need to do on our end to make this, uh, this dream a reality. Right. Um, so we, we did that. And then from there, just kind of unraveled into, um, getting a, a group of a ton of us as a team, um, in place. And, uh, so we 
since that time, it's been a quick five to six months just getting things uh, unraveled uh, from a business side. And, and Lucci, I mean, I've seen the like the Instagram posts and everything like that with you guys reconnecting with Cleveland legends like Hector Marinero and Otto Orff. What kind of role do they have in this process to get the crunch going? And how is that kind of how is that connection built and how is that uh, growing over time right now? Um, I mean, Hector serves as a pretty big advisor to the organization. Uh, we talk with him frequently. He definitely is, is working hard behind the scenes. Um, Otto, Zoran Karic, uh, Tony Dore, just a few other members of former members of the Crunch that we work closely with. Um, ever since they've we've been able to connect with them, and, and they've been they've jumped on board to help us get where we need to be. The organization, you know, the relaunch, it, it's sort of taken off. So, I mean, they definitely still have those connections in Cleveland of, of indoor soccer and just indoor soccer in general, professional soccer, you know, in this area. So, no doubt, I mean, they're definitely working with us, like I said, behind the scenes. And, um, yeah, it's been a pretty positive impact since they've joined. Yeah, just to add to that, like, we knew coming into this that they were going to be an integral piece to making this happen because those were the guys who lived it. They breathed it, slept it, you know, they live that day to day. They understand the routine, um, in the league, um, how to operate. So it's huge for us to have those guys in our corner, um, you know, just to, um, help us not only from the business side, but from the player side as well. Um, and evaluating talent as we move closer to tryouts. So we knew coming into this, that, that we needed their support, um, to be in our corner. It's a huge part of our marketing. Uh, uh, for me guys, I, I just want to know like who were some of your guys' like idols growing up, uh, you know, for, for soccer and, you know, who did you guys really look up to and, you know, who was your favorite uh, crunch back in the day? Um, so kind of picking back off what Kevin said earlier about attending those crunch camps and the forest camps. Um, I used to play goalie back in the day when I was little. So I really loved Otto work. He was, my favorite player for sure. Um, Zoran, Hector, I mean, those guys scoring the goals, making the excitement happen. So pretty much every, you know, well-known player that went through the crunch, I mean, definitely brought me joy in my younger years and influenced my love of the game today. And, and to piggy off that, I mean, in my playing career, I've played like mid forward. So I've always liked to model that off of Hector Marinero. I mean, the Michael Jordan of indoor soccer, if we had to be completely <laughs> honest. Right? So somebody I wanted to definitely model my game off of. And um, he obviously made a huge impact in my youth, just seeing his tremendous success and made me determined to, um, you know, just become a better soccer player growing up through my youth. So uh, definitely looked up to all those guys. And guys, we do have a, uh, someone tuning in from Buffalo, New York. Adam uh, Huzzle is saying, telling you guys congrats on getting indoor soccer back going again and hope that uh, Buffalo can do the same and renew that rivalry that Cleveland and Buffalo once had. Uh, they wanted to launch a, uh, they did launch a Buffalo Blizzard Facebook group in July and are connecting with a lot of the former players and fans. So it's kind of cool to see indoor soccer, especially in the 90s and the early 2000s, was was huge. And this, uh, the Cleveland Crunch were an organization that were built on having success and they were competing for championships every single year. They may not have gotten there. I know that they won uh, three in the 
NPSL, I believe it was. Uh, but definitely championship pedigree there. What are your guys' goals to get it back to that? And in terms of, we, we know that fans aren't really in the stands right now, but as this continues to grow, it was such a great family atmosphere as well. What are you guys looking at in terms of that to give it the atmosphere to the fans, but also put that championship caliber product back on the field? Well, I mean, we know that there's a big pool of talent that exists here in Northeast Ohio. A lot of good soccer players in this area. So building talent from a tryout standpoint, um, former players that we have played with, um, just connections that we have made. We've had a lot of people reaching out to us too. So I think building talent, like, you know, building a squad with talented players, I should say, is not going to be, you know, that big of an issue. I think that um, we could definitely get to that the championship caliber um, that you guys are you know referring to that they had in the 90s and in terms of creating that environment for fans I mean like Eric and I have said multiple times when we're little we didn't really remember the score of the game I mean mm-hmm. I, I have all that memorabilia. <laughs> I mean I have a picture autograph bobbleheads I mean they could have lost 20 to nothing for all I remember but I remember the positive experience that I had at that game so Definitely a lot of fan engagement, a lot of players interacting with, with kids, autographs, um, meet the team events. Every downtime we have in the arena is going to be dedicated to some sort of fan engagement opportunity to just really make this a an entertainment experience versus just a strictly watching a sporting event. That's fantastic. Yeah, that is that is awesome, and and I I agree with that. I mean, going back, I mean, whenever you're a kid, you don't really realize the score of the game. You, you it's all about having fun. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, now that we're adults, you know, we're all like, oh, man, I can't believe the Browns lost that game. But you know, like going back in the day, you know, whenever you're a kid, it's all about those family yeah. events, and that's that's fantastic. Yeah, and and of course, back then it's. You've seen it all the way through. All Cleveland teams and the Crunch were at the forefront of it, having great family entertainment and allowing kids to have those memories like all of us did. And, I mean, I still have, before it was even cool, I still have a Cleveland Crunch red Vuvuzela in my room (laughs) that I have held on to. And, and yes, there's a lot of stuff in boxes and memorabilia in boxes, but that's one thing that I hold uh, near and dear to my heart because it it was a great experience at that game spending time with family and enjoying a sport that, you know, nobody in my family really played. And it was just, it was a great time there. And you guys, now you guys mentioned the tryouts uh, coming up, I believe uh, December 12th and 13th, let people know how they can uh, get involved if they want to try out and get involved actually playing for the Cleveland crunch. So um, our tryout dates are set for December 12th and 13th, which is a Saturday, Sunday next month. Um, from 12 to 2 in the afternoon. Um, You can find registration for tryouts on our website, www.theclevelandcrunch.com. And then if you click on the tryouts tab, it'll direct you to our Eventbrite page. So that's that's the the way to to get registered for our our tryout dates set for December 12th and 13th. And uh, I know that the team shot, I know Team Gear has just started to release on the website as well. Is that correct? Yep, Team Shop just released uh, last Friday night, Friday night I should say, and um, yeah, up and running. Again, you can find that through our website on uh, the Team Store tab. 
and a lot of a lot of great gear already out there and i know that there's a lot of excitement brewing in town for that just want to get you guys out of here kind of on a more broad soccer conversation because paulus isn't the biggest isn't the biggest soccer guy neither is neither is peter but lucci you know i grew up watching another football yes <laughs> i know so, yeah. i understand but lucci you know about you know we've kind of we've been together we've been in the trenches together playing out there and of course uh, all three of us getting out there and coaching and helping the youth enjoy the game that we all love as well. Now we see it on a more national level. How can the United States, even outdoor soccer in this conversation, we see a lot of the young players, uh, Christian Pulisic at Chelsea, Weston McKinney at, at Juventus, uh, and, and names are going on and on. Uh, I know that they're Gio Reyna over at Dortmund in the Bundesliga in Germany. The men's team seems to be picking up some young talent, but it has been an issue, it seems, to develop on the world stage. The women have been at the forefront of that. They are the pinnacle for that. What does it take to get both the men and the women's programs here in the U.S. to be continuous, continuously competing on the world stage and generating more intrigue in the sport of soccer here in America? What is that going to take? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, that's actually a question that I came across earlier in this year, um, just from watching an interview on TV. Alexi Lalas, a mm-hmm. former national player, was on Fox Indoor Soccer. It's just a, a, a live soccer show on, on Fox Sports. And they had Landon Donovan on at the time. He accepted his head coaching position with the San Diego Royal, which is a USL championship um, division team. So... He was asked by Alexi, Alexi Loss asked uh, Landon Donovan and goes, you know, what does America need to do to develop soccer talent in the United States? Because obviously to the Germanys of the world, the Englands and the Italys of the world, we are sufficiently behind Mm -hmm. when it comes to developing the youth. And Landon Donovan's answer was quick, short and simple. He just said, we just need to do a better job really honing in on the youth talent and developing them the right way like these other countries do. And that spoke to me because that led me to taking a a coaching position with the uh, U10 boys team out of Geauga Federation Soccer Club and had a very successful season. And those kids made an impact on me, I think, more than I made on them. Uh, Currently doing some personal training sessions with them um, since the off-season has taken place. So that's really where it needs to start is getting these kids exposed to developing the right way, not just going out and kicking shots on goal to warm up, really focusing on their foot skills, the tactics, the technical side of uh, and strategy of you know where they play, how they play, and just getting them brought to, brought up to speed. I mean, you can just see it today in like the high school soccer world; like it's very underdeveloped. So to have this opportunity to really work with the youth and and develop those foundational skills, um, I think is is absolutely vital if we want to compete at a high level from a U.S. men's, U.S. women's national uh, pool of talent. Um, not making the World Cup two years ago, I mean, in the United States, that's not acceptable. Um, so it really shows that from the reflection of that, that we need to really start focusing on not when they're 12 or 13 or 14 years old, more like that seven, eight, nine years old stage where before they reach that adolescence, they're already learning how to how to function with their feet. Uh, they're learning the coordination. They're learning the balance, the agility. So just those those crucial uh, development techniques is really something that needs to be, I think, pushed at a younger age so they can develop 
that much more as they continue to grow into those high school years. And Lucci, I know that you see it coaching as well, coaching over at Mentor High School as well. I mean, it's it's more difficult probably, and agree to disagree with me if you want, but I always feel like it is more difficult to try to go back to the basics once you get them in that realm of that, what Eric is talking about, that 12, 13, 14-year-old range, instead of getting them young and helping them develop whether they decide to play high school or keep going on the club track. Uh, how do you see that kind of going where you're coaching at, Lucci? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. It's it goes back to what Eric said. You got to build good habits early. You got to build good training habits, just good attitude towards the game. You got to develop a, a winner at a young age, and it's definitely hard to go back after you know the, the, a, a player reaches a certain age. It's just hard with any sport, and it just it, it's an, another problem that we have with the development of youth soccer and. United States it's it's not often taken seriously from a young age most kids just play rack club coaching is really expensive so it's it just goes back to yeah you have to do it at a young age and you have to develop good habits and you have to teach teach players how to become a winner and teach players how to lose a win uh learn from their losses per se and and just get better every single day and a lot of kids in a lot of sports I think struggle with that today and thing I, I mean, you guys are hitting the nail right in the head. I mean, and I, this is why I wanted to have this conversation to kind of close this out as well, because I, I knew you guys felt as passionate as as I do about it. And, you know, kind of seeing even in our community, Lucci, uh, where we grew up, being able to develop a travel league a few years back and then those players developing from there into being asked by instead of going out and trying out, being asked to come look at playing with the club teams in the area uh, with the Croatia juniors and uh, Cleveland select. And then of course, moving up to possibly being looked at for us developmental type teams. That's the kind of development starting from, you know, when I started coaching the one group I had eight, seven, eight, nine, you know, then they were able to develop that way. And now they're having a huge impact already as, as freshmen in high school and kind of instilling that, actual soccer culture there that is so big and, and Eric you said it best coaching really is it's so rewarding because you learn so much more from these kids than than uh they learn from you honestly yes absolutely I mean just the kids that I'm fortunate to have the opportunity to coach are just already at that level where they're passionate about the game but they just need to critique some things or things that they're, they're looking to improve upon and it's just uh, a blessing up an opportunity to be able to share with my knowledge and um, the coaching that I was given growing up and just to give it back to the youth there's no better feeling and just because we're not an MLS market like the Columbuses and the Cincinnati's I mean Cleveland like Lucci already said earlier in the show I mean this is a huge untapped market and not just from a professional standpoint there's a lot of hidden talent here in Cleveland just because we don't have a professional team to represent our city uh, doesn't mean that there's not an opportunity for these players to continue to develop um, and reach the goals that they want to reach so um, it's just a, a blessing to be able to, to share the knowledge that I have and to continue to pass it on down to the younger generations and it's and a pleasure to have the, that conversation be out there for other people to see and hear whether they're big soccer fans or not, you know, that soccer is 
a great sport and can provide so many opportunities uh, to the youth and uh, definitely something we want to see build more and more in America. Before we let you guys go, uh, just one more time, let everybody know when they can expect Crunch Soccer to come back. I know the plan is 2021 at some point to start the season and also where they can find you guys, social media, website, and uh, just last little uh, kind of refresher on those tryouts coming up in December. All right, so um, yeah, we're, we're the timeline to join the league is November of 2021. We plan to do uh, several home exhibition games next year, as, as well as a few away exhibition games next year. Some inter-squad scrimmages as, as well. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Cleveland Crunch, on Twitter at CrunchTime underscore underscore Clee, and on Facebook, just the Cleveland Crunch, and our website is www.theclevelandcrunch.com. I know that those tryouts coming up on December 12th and 13th. Where are those uh, tryouts going to be held again there, guys? So the tryouts will be held at the Soccer Sportsplex out in North Olmstead. Oh, that's a that's a great facility out there in North <laughs> Olmstead. I've been out there, played, coached out there. Who knows? Maybe you'll see these old bones get, give it, give it, give, <laughs> give it a, it a go. Shot. You know, well, you know. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Hey, you got to send a red Vuvuzela picture to Luciano uh, so I can get a glimpse of that. Uh, I will. I will. I will make sure to send that along. Eric Lucci, it has been a pleasure Thank you. speaking with you guys, and you guys have all the support here at Voice of the Land. And any, Absolutely. anything, any progress you guys are making, anything you guys need to come on and promote to get that word out there. We are here. We are going to be supporting the Crunch for sure, and so. Well, keep building that connection as well and anything you guys need we're always here and so glad to have indoor soccer coming back we appreciate you guys coming on this evening thank you appreciate thank it we appreciate you guys for the opportunity thank you so much thank you thank you that was eric davis and luciano Rashido, the president and vice president of the <clears throat> upcoming one year away cleveland return of indoor soccer and the cleveland crunch to the city of Cleveland, to the land. Again, great memories there. I'm going to have to find that Vuvuzela. I'm going to have to, <laughs> you know, I, I know I have that in the closet. I'm going to have to find that and send that picture once I get home. Uh, I, guys, I, I know that soccer isn't big here in America, but I just, I wanted to have other people kind of have that conversation too, that it's, and it's not just for soccer, it's other sports. That if, right. if kids are really interested in it, you got to start them, start them young and teach them right. Because now you see, in, even in football, some of this, you know, these launch, these safeties kind of launching at you. It's not really wrapping up. They're trying to knock the ball out. They're just trying to knock you off your feet, try to hit you as fast and as hard as they can. Yeah. And you hear the color commentators talking about it all the time. I heard it in the Ohio State game last night. Got to wrap up. You got to form tackle to get guys to the ground. You can't always expect you're going to rip the ball out, no matter what the talent discrepancy is. You cannot just do that. So at a younger age, teaching them the skills, the the little nuances of the sport so that they actually grow and get to the point that maybe they're interested in. If they find something else they're interested to, coaches, I know those guys and myself and anybody else who's coached in the past, the other goal is to give life lessons, life skills to these kids too, because if they decide not, if they play for me one year, and they decide soccer's not for them, but they learned something from me. Sure. As much as I learn from them, they learn one thing from me that they can take into whatever they're passionate about in life. That is the biggest and most important thing. And coaches love to see that kind of thing. 
But now I know that we had a little bit of longer conversation with those guys. Yeah. A great conversation oh, with, the, with the Crunch fantastic. tonight. So make sure you guys check them out uh, all, all across social media and their website, the ClevelandCrunch.com. And of course, all like I said, all across social media. And if you are someone that was a big fan of the Crunch, you still have that inkling to get there on, out there on the field. Like I kind of do, you know, <laughs> get off the sideline for a minute. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, if you have that inkling, get out to that sportsplex in North Olmsted, December 12th and 13th from 12 to 2 p.m. They have tryouts that you could be a part of the reincarnation of the Cleveland Crunch. I know we got we didn't get a chance to have our Buckeye conversation today. We got like, I think we can do five minutes. You want to do five yeah. minutes? Yeah, I had let, a, let's I let's had do a, a rapid five. Uh, rapid five. So Paulus and I were just to kind of take everybody back. We were having a you know a little bit of a, a spat or a Twitter conversation <laughs> last night um, that uh, stemmed from the Ohio State game. Of course, they they did beat. The Rutgers, Rutgers uh, right. Scarlet Knights, I think they're called they or something are. like that. Yes, um, they beat them forty-nine to twenty-seven. Of course, Justin Fields looks like he he, he is that number two pushing for that number one. Thirteen total touchdowns, twelve, oh, uh, eleven, 11 intercept. I'm sorry, eleven interceptions would be a lot. Eleven yeah. incompletions. Yeah, that ball is unreal. The ball is not hitting the hitting the turf a lot. Yeah. It, Defense and some other areas, offensive line, are a little suspect. But, sure. Paulus, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. What are you seeing with this Ohio State team? Are they a legit national title contending team or national uh, title team this season? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. This Ohio State team is just bored. I mean, they got bored last night. I was cutting up the highlights. I'm sorry, the post-game uh, clips mm. from Ryan Day's press conference and a lot of these players' uh, press conferences, uh, uh, Justin Fields, uh, Justin Hillier, a lot of people. You know, uh, Ryan Day said it perfectly, though. There comes a moment in time, and like he's, he even said, he's like, this is not an excuse. This is a fact. It was 9 o'clock at night. You're up 35 to 3. There's no one in the stands. You got to make your own energy. And that's the that's an issue that they've never had to deal with ever. If it's 35 to 3 at you know at the shoe, the, everyone's going crazy. In a typical year, everyone's going crazy. There's nobody but but family and you know the other team's family there. That is it. So 200 fans in the stands. This isn't Notre Dame. They're not rushing the field. We're not, we're, we're not even going to no. get into that. I like. That's all. I can't wait until the number two team has to take off a week because their entire team got COVID. Yeah, that's a hotbed too. And it's exactly what's going to happen. We all know it. It's yeah. going to happen Not whatever that. that being said there is no doubt in my mind this ohio state team it, they're just bored right now mm -hmm. at, at a certain point in time justin fields even came out and said it last night he was like i didn't expect to be in the game that long and it's because they prolonged it the the defense they just didn't wrap up and like that if, if you want to look at anything as a weakness of this team i think it's the mental it's the mental output of the COVID season. I think if you if you told them, hey, you got Bama in a week, I guarantee you they go, you know what? We're good. We're 100%. I'd put all my money on that game 
for for Ohio State to win that game. There's not a doubt in my mind. This team, led by that dude at quarterback, Justin Fields, just already you know gave out the stats. He's like ninety percent on the year, you know, completions. He's that dude. There is no doubt in my mind this team can beat any team in the nation. Not only do they have the talent to do it, but they have the right coach and they have the right quarterback. And that's how you win in college football. Peter, any pause for concern with the Ohio State University Buckeye football team? I would like to see the defense be a little sharper. Sure. Um, I think there are a few. I'm I'm trying to think back to it. a lot of it felt like a lot of loose coverage, um, okay. you know, in the secondary. Sure. But you know, the thing is with Justin Fields uh, leading that team, yeah, the defense can give up some points because they're going to take them right back. Yeah, and so I mean, we we also I, have yeah. to understand it's Rutgers. I mean, they yeah. they're not playing Penn State like like they did last week. Oh yeah, and and Penn State's wide receiver got a little hot. Well, and the the happens. thing the thing is, and I think you know you brought up a great point. It's it was nine o'clock at night. There, the stadium is pretty much empty. I've I've been there yeah. when it's full, and when it's when it's crazy. I was there when Maurice Claret brought them back against Washington State. Oh, nice. you know, they were down at halftime. Yeah, you know, and they came right back, and that was his like that was his like breakout game of that season. And mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to be there. Nice, and the atmosphere. If you've, if people out there listening have never had a chance to go to an Ohio State game, go to an Ohio State game when it's available. When when yeah. you can, <laughs> when, go it, to, when it happens again, know, yeah. when, when we can have five hundred thousand people, you know, yeah. outside the stadium before right. the game, it's an insane atmosphere, and so. And it is weird. It's weird watching the games with the the piped in, yeah. you know, crowd noise. The really weird point is. Part of that is when the teams do something wrong and it's still cheering because they don't have, <laughs> yeah. they, don't, they don't have the they booze. Didn't, they didn't record the booze, you know. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I no, I think they're, I think they can take on and I think they can beat anyone in the nation. Yeah. Now listen, <laughs> Ohio. Here comes Kev, Coach Coach Kev, Coach Kev. Here we go. Ohio State. Listen. You are a national title contending team. You are a top three, if not a top two team in the country, talent-wise, coach-wise, quarterback-wise, wide receiver-wise, and even the talent on defense, offensive line, everywhere. If you get bored in a game, I understand there's no fans in the stands. Guess what? Bad habits start to take hold of your team and that's where we see the losses to teams like Purdue or Iowa when they're bad or uh, Michigan State when they're bad because you have had these bad habits now become a trend for your team. The offensive line, people have said that they're by the end of the season they're going to be the number one offensive line in the country. I have yet to see any, barely any evidence of that especially last night. I know Master Teague went off for over 100 yards last week, but that running game, while you have the wide receivers, you have those dudes at wide receiver at Ohio State, and you have that dude at quarterback, and you're going to be slinging it around a lot. You need to establish the run because if you cannot have complementary football, if you are Ohio State playing in the Big Ten and you cannot establish, even if it's running back by committee, I know that we have been, over the last 
last several years, we have been spoiled by that dude at running back at Ohio State. I could go down the list. There's a lot. There's several guys to go down the list of. You know who I'm talking about. If you have to do it running back by committee, do it running back by committee, but you need to get that running game established. And while Ohio State was up big in that game, you should not ever, 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 no matter the circumstance, you are the Ohio State University, give any team any semblance of breathing room or anything like that, especially a team like Rutgers. Yes, I know they're better than in the past, but if you're up 35-3 and you put the stomp down and you don't let them feel anything. You make sure you squeeze all the football life out of them, out of Ohio Stadium, so that the only life left is out of those in scarlet and gray with the Buckeye leaves on your helmets. You make sure they remember the day, the night, the game, every single time that they play Ohio State, and you build that winning culture so that the national title contention matriculates into an actual national championship and we don't lose in the semifinals again come here come here folks we're averaging 200 yards rushing a game doesn't look like it and that offensive line has too that, many penalties yesterday we're averaging too many mistakes. five yards a carry kevin this isn't the browns we have nine there is a higher standard at ohio state kevin 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 we have 900 passing yards. We have 626 rushing yards through three games. Our opponents have been dog doo-doo, okay? They have played down to their opponents. Do I agree with you that that is – is that a issue? Yes. Can it be fixed? Absolutely. Do you know how that can be fixed? Tell the team you're playing Bama. Tell the team you're playing Wisconsin. Tell the team you're playing Clemson, Notre Dame, hell, Florida. You tell that team that you tell Ryan Day, hey, Ryan Day, go tell that team. Go go tell your quarterback, hey, we're gonna need 300 from you tonight. Hey, uh, Master Teague, we're gonna need a hundred out of you. Like uh, we're averaging 200 yards a game rushing and you're set, you're acting like this is the 2017 Browns team that could, could I barely not. put up 40. I, I, I mean, the way it sounds like it. And, and like, I, once again, coach Kev, I get it. You, you expect more out of this team and, 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 they, and everybody should, because they're Ohio this state team is doing a, what they need to they do. They are a championship what, contender. And they're, pr- they're proving it. They gave Justin what, Fields has what proved you, that he is that dude. No, what would you give? And those wide receivers last happen. night. Last night, tell me what would you grade that game last night? Grade the game. C, a C, and they almost put up fifty points against a Big Ten opponent. Yeah, you're not going to do fifty points. Kevin. You are not going to win games against the best in the country. You, if you will. It's a C effort. If you give an A effort, you put up a hundred. They don't need to put up a hundred. You can see 
for coast. And I'm calling it out now because C average effort becomes an issue if you allow it to continue against teams you know you can get by. And I'm telling you, if you have Bama on the schedule, it's completely different. Michigan on the schedule. They say Michigan. Michigan is... A below average squad. Ifs aren't this good year. enough. A- a- Ifs aren't good enough. You have who is on your schedule, and if you want to build and actually beat those teams once you get a chance to play them, because this team will only be measured on the college football playoff, not by what they do in the Big Ten. And if they lose a game, it's going to be a big issue. They are going to be measured in the college football playoff. If you continue to play like this because you know you can get by in the Big Ten, play who is on your schedule, dominate them, and prove that you are a number two team in the country like I know that you are. This has nothing to do with them. I think that they're a bad team. Sure. I think that they have bad habits that are disappointing and frustrating that need to be fixed now, and I have every faith in the world that Ryan Day will do that, but I'm calling it out now because I'm calling it like I see it. I'm not just going to give them rainbows and unicorns and Skittles, as we always say. Not going to give them all the gifts in the world because they beat Rutgers. Beat Rutgers the way you're supposed to. You saw the long lineage of those six games where they barely scored maybe 20 points in the closest game. For Rutgers, you had them down 35-3. to There should not have been any sort of life, any sort of ability for any of those guys to kind of show up and like, oh, dancing around and hitting my helmet. I'm going to break my hand hitting my helmet. You're not really smart, but still, none of that should happen. I don't care the circumstance. You're Ohio State. Play like I'm going to say something a little controversial right now. Okay. I'm going to... Are we dealing with Urban Meyer or are we dealing with Ryan Day? Well, he's a disciple of Urban Meyer. Are we dealing with Urban Meyer, who did have lapses in judgments, Purdue, and uh, uh, what was the other game? Um, God, I I can't remember the other game that really pops in my mind. uh, uh, It wasn't Iowa. It was uh, Virginia Tech. Did we lose... I'm trying to remember what was the one game a oh, Michigan state. That's what it was. Whenever he didn't run Ezekiel when, mm. when, when he like just refused to play Zeke on a game that he should have like just given the ball to Zeke a hundred times to win that game. That's the year. That was the year after the championship. Thank you. I couldn't remember that. And thank you myself. Mm. That's dumb. Anyways, are we dealing with urban Meyer? Or are we dealing with Ryan day? Has Ryan day given you any any concerns dealing with this? We've seen a full season and then some with whenever Urban was gone for those three games to start off the year a couple years ago. He didn't give any doubt to that. He is what 17 and one. The only loss was on a bad call against Clemson and an interception that should have never happened because Chris Olave broke off the route. That is his only loss. He has given you zero reasons to think that he is not going to have this team up and ready to play at any point in time. This team was up 35 to three at halftime. I literally just told you that at 9 PM going into halftime, they, they coasted, they coasted. And that is, that is, that is something that every team goes through. I don't care if you have Superman on your team, you are going to learn, you are going to a 
you better win the game. I agree with you there. You absolutely need to win that game 35 to three. And they did win that game. They coasted because they could like every team in America does. They coast every once in a while, especially when you are that good. I gave you the description the other night and I'm going to finish my end here because we are running way longer than the five that I thought (laughs) it was going to be. But I gave you the description of uh, Ali whenever he faced Chuck Wepner. It literally went into that fight. I'm going to knock him down in the, in, in the third round. Easy. We might not even get to three. And Chuck just kept coming back, coming back, coming back, coming back. Ali knew he wasn't going to lose that, you know, lose that match. Okay. He kept knocking the crap out of Chuck Wepner, but he did at the end of the fight say, Chuck Wepner is one of the hardest people that he ever fought. Okay. He, he came out and said that, that being said, this Rutgers team gave up the biggest fight of their entire football program career. And they still lost by what? 28 points, something ridiculous. Like they gave their a plus plus effort. I'm sorry. I just spit, but they gave their a plus plus effort and we gave a C effort and we still beat them by 28 points or whatever the score was. That's because you can coast. And in certain matchups, you can do that. In others, once again, Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, any of those top four to six teams, they're not going to have that mindset. I, I understand it's a problem for you to, to, to look at that from the coach at, from the coaching angle and say, oh, well, we, we have things to improve on. You absolutely, you're damn right you have things to improve on. But this team is without a doubt a top two or three team in the nation and they can beat anyone at any time anywhere they better because two wrongs they will two wrongs don't make a right just because everybody coasts to wins when they're playing a bad team doesn't make it right if you are a pinnacle program in college football or whatever league it is are you perfect every day of your life I know do, this is this is the conversation that you brought up last night. In what way did I just say that they need to be perfect? I know mistakes are going to happen, but when they are consistent mistakes that should not happen after you've already learned I, from the I first time I at Ohio State, I've seen it for three games, not just one game, not just one quarter. I've seen these mistakes for three games. It is not good enough. They know it. They'll get better, but you can't coast because everybody else coasts. Because guess what? That's how you get beat. That mentality is how you get beat. You wanted me to answer, are we dealing with Urban Meyer or Ryan Day? My answer, you think, is going to prove your point. We are dealing with Ryan Day. I'm calling out the stuff to make sure that it doesn't turn into Ryan Day becoming Urban Meyer. That's where I'm at. I'm only calling that out and saying it's not all roses and unicorns out there. It's not all great, and yet you're still 3-0, still putting up great numbers. You need to now establish more consistency so that when it comes time for the college football playoff, you are ready to go and you don't have those bad habits be that one or two plays that cost you a champ, a chance at the national championship. If you want to talk about the defense, I'm all for it. But whenever you bring in the rushing stats or the offensive line play or anything like that, this offensive line is a top five line. And and like you said, at the end of the year, they probably will be the best. If you're Ohio line. State, 
great. You should be able to get one yard on third and one, fourth and one. They are- I have seen multiple times where they have not been able to do that and establish that line of scrimmage. And I've seen That's them get not good enough. And I've seen them get third and seventeen countless you amounts can't of times. Count on that again because you're going to go I up can against count good on teams. It whenever where you have Ryan Day and Justin Fields, if Justin Fields goes down. If he goes down, this season's over. It's a it's a wrap, okay? This isn't 2015 or 14 or whenever we won the title. That, that won't happen again, okay? The, the magic in the air was all used up back then. If he goes down, I, 100%, you got to play without any without any sort of mental lapses or, or anything like that. This team, though has that capability to coast because it has that dude and that coach. And once again, I have seen nothing from Ryan Day to go, you know what, we're dealing with Urban Meyer. We better not you know, go up with a big lead and then end up losing it at the very end on a weird make-make crap field goal. You know, like, like I'm not worried. Every time I see Ryan Day, I, I trust him even more. I trust him a little bit more every single day. You know, Ryan Day is your Miss Jenkins. A little bit, yeah. Ryan Day is your Miss Jenkins. It really is. It, like, honestly, you it, honestly. Woo, just, yeah. because oh, I, yeah. just because you trust a person, you can still be critical of what's going on. You absolutely can be. And again, when you play the bad teams. Do you think they're going to have a mental lapse against Maryland this coming up week? <sighs> Tonga Vailoa has been playing well. He I'm has not, been. I'm and not that's saying, why I'm saying, yeah, do that, you think they're going to have those lapses? If they do, that that's not going. To, they're going to be punished for those lapses against yep. Maryland. As much as Ohio State is way better than Maryland, and that line will be big. It's 25 points. Like I said. 30, <laughs> 38 was the other day. And I even said on the under for Buckeye game day that, that, it, that it was going to be under. Because, once again, you coast the, at that moment in time. 25 actually a doable number against Maryland. Maryland's offense, like like you said, to his brother, plays exceptionally, and he has been balling lately. So that's why I'm saying you bring in someone like that that you can account for and go, you know what, that guy's a dude too. I think you're going to see a completely different Buckeye team this week. Just because you can coast doesn't mean you should. Fair. Be- okay. Be- and again, when you're playing bad teams, you work on those situations like third and one. Yeah. You can't just assume if you get if you get a penalty or you don't get that yardage, you get uh, knocked back, and you're in that in between zone, and you think that Justin Fields, just like he did against Rutgers, can get fourth and thirteen or whatever it may be yeah. against the great teams, they'll make you pay for those kind of those kind of mental lapses that one or two plays again that differentiate you between being a national champion and having that same feeling that you left last year with against Clemson. But we are way over the time. Way over, not, that's my that's my bad guess. That is uh I was like I was hell bent on getting that Ohio State talk in. I really thought we could just bust that out, but it's that's on me. That's, that's on me, guys. That, Sorry Dave. Dave. That is Dave. Right there. This guy right, there. right here. We're sorry we're, about that. Dave, we're still a part of Big Play, right? Right, please. Right? <laughs> but with that, a lot of good conversation. Of course, Cleveland Crunch joining us tonight as well. Uh, and reach out to them. And if you have any sort of inkling, wanting to get out there and play in some indoor soccer, being a part of the Cleveland Crunch reinvigoration, reincarnation in the city of Cleveland, December 12th and 13th at the North Olmstead Sportsplex.
likes. But for Nick Paulus, our producer extraordinaire, Peter Tillip, I'm Kevin Arnold reminding all of you sports fans out there, don't let anyone ever tell you it's just a game. And we love you all 3,000, especially in such difficult times. We truly love you all 3,000. We will see you all next week after the Browns return from their bye week.